Good morning, Life Point Church. It is a great morning, is it not? We're in a series called Love Everybody and Always. And today we're going to take a look at the forgiveness component. Truly the ultimate test of love, I believe, is how you handle a hurt. Do you become resentful, bitter? Do you hold on to a grudge? When, you, when, when something happens in your relational world where you are hurt, how do you handle it? Well, notice what the Bible says here. In 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love does not keep a record of wrongs that others do. In other words, love doesn't store up hurts. It doesn't keep grudges. It doesn't keep score. Truly, some people, when they are in an argument, they will become not hysterical, but historical. They will repeat everything that you have ever done in that relationship all the way back to the beginning of it. But the Bible says love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Do you do that? I know I do. And I do that, and I think we all do this, because when we get hurt, we want to have some ammunition so that we can hurt them back. But the Bible's really pretty clear that love doesn't do that. You see, I truly believe that forgiveness may be the most difficult act of love. I'll never forget a number of years ago, there, and why I remember this is because it was two gals from, as missionaries in Afghanistan from Waco, Texas. They came out of Antioch Church, and they were captured by the Taliban. But when they finally got released, they were asked about their Afghan experience. And what was interesting is that they, they didn't talk about their cap, them being captured by the Taliban. Rather, they said the most difficult thing in living in Afghanistan was living with six other ladies in a very small, small, small house and learning how to forgive one another. I really think that is the toughest, I don't know, expression of love to accomplish. Now, unfortunately, most people totally misunderstand forgiveness. And so today, we're going to take a look at what forgiveness is all about. Because as you look at our culture, in essence, what has happened is they have watered it down. And it's almost meaningless today as a result. So I want you to take this survey. This is a true or false survey. It's in your bulletins, okay? So whatever you do, don't cheat. Don't look over someone else's shoulders. You just do this on your own, okay? Here we go. A person should not be forgiven until they ask for it. True or false? Real quick. Number two, forgiveness includes minimizing the offense and the pain that was caused. True or false? I'm seeing some people look over shoulders. That's not fair, okay? Three, forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a relationship. True or false? Four, you haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offense. And then the last one, when I see someone else hurt, then it is my duty to forgive the offender. True or false? Now, if you study God's word, you're going to discover that all those questions are false. So today, what true forgiveness is, by first understanding what true forgiveness is not. Five things that forgiveness is not. And the first one is simply this, it isn't conditional. In other words, it's not based on whether someone asks for it. 
Real forgiveness is unconditional, unearned, okay? Not, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's unearned. It's not based on performance. If you say, you know what, I'll forgive you if, folks, that's not genuine forgiveness. That's called bargaining. Genuine forgiveness is unconditional. I mean, what if Jesus on the cross would have said, Father, forgive them if, and fill in the blank. No, he didn't say that. He said, Father, forgive them, for, for, for they don't know what they're doing, okay? You see, genuine forgiveness is unconditional, and it is offered to people whether they accept it or not. Number two, it's not minimizing the offense. It's not saying, you know what, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. It really didn't hurt. That's not forgiveness. I mean, what if I came to one of the terrorists uh, in London and said, you know what, I, this is just a way of life. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. I, I, I forgive you. Folks, that's not forgiveness. You know what that's called? That's called insanity. Minimizing is not forgiveness. Now, in order for us to understand that concept that it's that it's not minimizing, we need to know the difference between being wounded and being wronged. Being wounded is accidental. Being wronged is intentional. You, you and I get hurt unintentionally all the time, and what we need to offer to those people that do that is patience and acceptance. But when we are wronged intentionally, what we need to offer is forgiveness. And yet sometimes, in fact, a lot of times in our culture, we use forgiveness for all kinds of things that it really doesn't need to be used for. For example, let's say that you don't like the way I'm dressed. And you don't like my Hawaiian shoes that doesn't match my outfit, okay? I don't need your forgiveness. I need your acceptance. I may have wounded you by not coordinating a little bit better, okay? But I haven't harmed you intentionally. Forgiveness is for the serious stuff. That's what I'm saying. For when you and I intentionally hurt someone. And so forgiveness is not conditional. It is not minimizing it. When you and I do that, we water down forgiveness. Third thing is that it is not it isn't resuming a relationship without change. Now, this is one that is, I believe, the most misunderstood concept about forgiveness. Some people are truly afraid because, uh, because they are afraid that they're going to have to go back with that person, that that relationship is going to have to be exactly as it was in the beginning, that they're going to have to remarry that person. That's just not true. Restoring a relationship and forgiveness are two different things. Forgiveness is instant. Relationships restored happen through trust over time. And the Bible says those two things are different. Forgiveness takes care of the damage done. Yes, it's letting it go. But it doesn't guarantee that the relationship will be restored. Forgiveness is is, is our part in the reconciliation. But for a relationship to be restored, there are three things that are absolutely required for that to happen. And they have nothing to do with forgiveness. 
One, it, one is demonstrating genuine repentance. In other words, a change in your lifestyle. It's not based on promises. Oh, I promise I'll never change again. Hey, promises don't produce squat, right? It's practice that makes progress. And so it's genuine repentance where you see a lifestyle change. It's making restitution when possible. And then the third one is, is the offender must build trust by proving that their life has changed over time. Those three things are totally different from forgiveness. Let's say this, that someone repeatedly wounds you. As a Christian, you are obligated to forgive them. But you are not obligated to trust them and instantly restore the relationship. Let me give you a, an example that fits in with homelessness. Let's take uh, spousal abuse, domestic abuse. It is one of the big drivers of homelessness in Collin County. One of the big reasons why, why, why families are living in cars. A big reason why there's not enough uh, housing here in Collin County is Domestic abuse. And so let's say this spouse has just been beating the tar out of this other spouse. And after a time, that, that spouse says, that's it. You are harming me and you're harming the kids. I'm calling the cops. And there's a restraining order put on. A few days later, spouse comes back says, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? You are obligated as a Christian to forgive them. I forgive you. But then they follow up. Well, I, I guess I can move back in now. Whoa. That's a different issue, isn't it? You have to prove that you're trustworthy. You see, do you understand the difference between trust and forgiveness? It takes more than just forgiveness to build a relationship. It takes trust. And so forgiveness is not conditional. It is not minimizing the offense. It is not resuming the relationship automatically. Number four, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Some people struggle with forgiveness because they have a hard time to forget. And they have a hard time forgetting because of this little sweet saying. To forgive is to forgive. And that just sounds so sweet, doesn't it? But the problem is this, that it's impossible and it's illogical. First of all, it is impossible. Folks, the brain records everything. Now, it can be pushed down. It can be repre repressed, right? You, you can put other things in it, but your brain remembers everything. So it is absolutely impossible to forget things. However... Let me take you to a deeper level of maturity. Something that is better than forgetting. And you want to know what it is? It is remembering. It is remembering how God can bring good out of that situation that has happened to you. And then when he does, giving him thanks for that good. This is what I call letting go. Letting go doesn't mean you forget. No, you remember. But the Bible talks about letting go, letting go of the pain, letting go of the hurt, letting go of the resentment, letting go of the, uh, the, the bitterness. But letting go doesn't mean that you forget. 
In fact, some painful situations or some situations are so painful that you can't forget them. I've had people in my office say, Pastor George, when am I going to come to that spiritual place where I have forgotten all the hurts in my life? And I just tell them, I said, you know, I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen. But the key is not forgetting. The key is learning to focus through a different set of lens of how God can bring good out of that situation. And as he does, it's Romans 8, 28, you give thanks to God. Fifth thing that forgiveness is not. It is not my right when I wasn't hurt. You see, only the victim has the right to forgive. You can't forgive someone that hasn't hurt you. Now, this is a big one in our culture. We've got a lot of celebrities and we've got a lot of, I would say, politicians that offer these blanket forgiveness for everyone and everything. I'll never, never forget, not too long ago, there was a, a high school student that killed three high school gals. And the next day, the very next day, folks, 24 hours hadn't even passed, and there were some students that had signs, Mikey, we forgive you. Now, they may have, they may have meant well, but they didn't have the right to forgive because they weren't the victims. I mean, how do you think those parents felt about that? Folks, they had just started the grief process, let alone get to a place to where they could forgive that person. I see this with our politicians. Our politicians come out and say, you know what? Uh, we need to forgive the terrorists. I have forgiven them. I think, you know, there's a problem with that. You didn't have any victims, family members, in that terrorist attack. I mean, what if someone came up to a person who murdered your kids and you heard them say, I forgive you? Would that mess you over a little bit? I think so. Folks, our, our culture doesn't know what forgiveness is. They offer shallow, faulty forgiveness. You and I can only forgive those who have hurt us. Now, if forgiveness is none of those things, then what in the world is it? What is real, genuine forgiveness? Well, real, genuine forgiveness involves three steps. The first one is this. You relinquish your right to get even. This is the heart of forgiveness. You don't seek revenge. Take a look at Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. But Pastor George, if I give up my right to, to forgive someone, that's not fair. You're right, it's not fair. It's not. But who, who ever said that forgiveness is fair? I mean, was it fair for God, Jesus, to forgive you of all of the things that you've done wrong, scot-free? I don't think so. You see, we all want justice for others. But we all want forgiveness for ourselves. We don't want God to be fair with us. We want God to show us grace. The truth of the matter is, forgiveness is not fair. That's why it's called grace and mercy. Now, the Bible says, fortunately, that one day God is going to level the playing field. One day God's going to settle the score. One day God's going to balance the books, okay? And I am glad for that because, guess what? He can do a whole lot better job than we can, can't he? Pretty obvious. 
That is why the starting point of forgiveness is to relinquish my right to get even. And if I don't do that, what happens is that bitterness and resentment will build up within me. And doctors have made it very clear that that bitterness and resentment will eat you alive emotionally and mentally. All the resentment and bitterness towards people who have hurt you isn't going to change the past. I don't care how much resentment you have. I don't care how intent you are. It's not going to change the past, and it's not going to change the future. All it's going to do is mess up the present, making you miserable on the inside. You're going to be set at home stewing and spewing. Well, they're out partying. <laughs> you know. When you and I hold on to that hurt, we are allowing that person to mess up our present. But here's the danger. Take a look at this in Hebrews 12. Be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives. For, he do, for if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but it can also poison the lives of many others. You see, resentment never stays with ourselves. It always spreads. I was just doing a little research about the Hatfields and McCoys. You've heard those. This feud that went on for years all started over a pig. People getting killed over it. Unbelievable. And it just spread from one generation to the next generation. You see, it never stays with ourselves. And that's why it's worthless. So we relinquish our right to get even. Secondly, you respond to evil with good. Take a look at Luke chapter 6. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Will you circle the verbs there? Do good, bless, and pray for. The, this or that's part of forgiveness. You return good for evil. Now the big question is this. How do you know if you've done that? How do you know if you've genuinely forgiven someone? Well, really, it's pretty simple. You pray that God would bless them and help you understand their hurt. You see, hurt people hurt people. When people are hurting others, it's because they're hurting on the inside. That parent that hurt you was hurting on the inside. So genuine, real forgiveness is when you not only see your hurt, but you begin to see that those other people that hurt you are hurting, and you pray that God would bless them and heal their hurt. But Pastor George, you don't realize how much or how bad or how much they hurt me. You're right, I don't. And I am sorry. But I do know this, that you'll never get on with the rest of your life until you let it go. How is that possible? Folks, it's only when you and I are filled up with the love of God. Only as I'm filled with the love of God am I able to love other people who have hurt me in whatever way and pray, God, would you bless them and would you heal their hurt? That is why we need Jesus Christ in our life. And that is why we need him as our role model. Because while he was on the cross and everyone was uttering threats at him, okay, he uttered no threats back, but he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. And he said, God, 
forgive them. He is our role model, and we need him in our life. Now, the third, I think, is the hardest one. We relinquish our right to get even. We respond to evil with good. And number three, we repeat the process as long as necessary. Forgiveness is rarely a one-time thing. Forgiveness oftentimes happens again and again and again and again. Well, how often, Pastor George, do I have to keep forgiving them again and again and again? How often do I have to relinquish my right of getting even? How often do I have to continue to pray that God would bless them and heal their hurts? Answer. Until the pain stops. Until you stop feeling the hurt. Jesus addressed this with Peter. Take a look at first, or Matthew 18, 21. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, 70 times seven. Now what's going on here is Peter is pretty cocky. He knows that the Jewish law says you're only supposed to forgive people three times, and after that, you can forget about it, okay? They're history. I'm not forgiving them anymore. And so Peter asked Jesus this question, and he's thinking, you know, I know what the Jewish law says three times. You know what? I'm going to double it, and I'm going to add one on like a cherry on top of the ice cream, okay? And he's going to be impressed. And Jesus emphatically says, no, 70 times 7. In other words, infinity and beyond. You just keep doing it again and again and again until the pain stops. Every time the pain comes up, you willfully make a choice. You don't minimize it. You willfully make a choice and you say, God, they hurt me, but I'm choosing to forgive them. I am relinquishing my right to get even, and I am asking you to bless them and heal that hurt. And you say that again and again and again until you've released them. Now, it is not always possible nor advisable to go physically to that person who has hurt you because things may have changed. Maybe they got remarried. Maybe, maybe they moved away. Maybe they died. So it's not always possible, nor is it advisable, to do this. However, one of the things that you can do, because God loves the material world, and when we act it out materially, it somehow sinks in mentally and emotionally and physically. And that is to set up an empty chair. And you set up an empty chair, and you imagine that they're there, and you talk to God, and you talk to them. God, I don't know whether it's advisable or not, but I'm going to tell you right now, person... I forgive you in the name of Jesus Christ. I relinquish my right to get even. And I am praying that God will heal your hurt. You can do that by writing a letter that you never send. And in that letter, maybe you spell out more specifically the hurt that you had. What you did hurt me. That rejection, that abuse, that betrayal, it hurt me. But I've forgiven you because God has forgiven me through his son, Jesus Christ, and I am relinquishing my right to get even, and I am asking God to bless you, to heal your hurt. And what I just described is not easy at all. That's why this is the most difficult part. It is not easy. In fact, there, there's no doubt in my mind that there are some relationships that are going to self-destruct, not because of the hurt, 
but because the refusal to forgive. It's not the hurt that destroys relationships. Folks, it's the refusal to forgive that destroys them. And some people are on the brink of destroying their relationships with others because of unforgiveness. And it's not easy. It is hard. But God says, I will give you grace. I will give you the power to forgive just like I have forgiven you. So what is the secret of genuine forgiveness? Ushers, will you come down because we're going to act this out physically, materially, so that we get it through communion. So come down, please. The, the secret of genuine forgiveness is this. Will you write this down? Remembering how much I've been forgiven. Take a look at these verses. Colossians 3.13. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You see, God has forgiven you through his son, Jesus Christ. And just as he has forgiven you, he says, you should forgive others. I've modeled it for you. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. How's that made possible? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Will you circle the phrase, in Christ? You see, the only way that you and I can truly love the way Christ loves us is by getting Christ in us. By dropping him from our head to our heart. And saying, God, you know, I know I've blown it. And yet I thank you for your grace, your mercy in my life. I thank you for your forgiveness. Come on in. And as he does, he invades your life. And he gives you a power through the example of Christ and through his spirit that he deposits in you when you say yes to him to begin living out the Christian life. Though it is challenging and hard, his power is there for us. And he has given us the Lord's Supper, bread and juice, to help reinforce this message of forgiveness that God has for us that he wants us to offer to others. So, let's do this. We're going to take the communion. We're going to pass it out. Let's hold on to it. There's two cups. The bottom one has the bread. The ju juice is on top. We'll wait till everyone is served. And then... I'll pray, and then we'll take the offering, we'll sing our last song, and we'll celebrate. as they're serving, you might just, just think about what Christ did for you on the cross. You might review your life and get things right with God. Get things right in your heart with that significant other. God gives us this time, really. A time to reflect and then a time to celebrate. God, thank you 
Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. So let's do that. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you drink it or eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we really thank you that you went the distance for us. And that you didn't require us to jump through hoops, to make promises that we would never do whatever we did again. You just said, if we come to you and trust in you, that you would forgive us. And we thank you for that. We thank you that it's at, at, at times like this that we can come together as a spiritual family and remember the sacrifice that, that you made for our forgiveness to show us grace and mercy. 
to remind us, to help us to remember that, that we might be filled with your love in such a way that we walk different, we talk different, and we forgive differently than the world forgives. So that you can be seen. So that you can be enlarged and glorified in a world that is hurting so desperately. And so we thank you for this time. In your son's name we pray. Amen.